Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it... We are so deep into epi- or into season three, at, season two at this point. Um, we have made it to Book Two Earth, Chapter 17, Lake Laogai. Yes. This is a really good episode. It is super good. Because I feel like... like Part of what this is doing is is we're now tying up a lot of things that we had that little break almost with with Tales of Bossing Say and Appa's Lost Days yeah. where it's like okay we're gonna take this we're gonna take a break on the narrative and now it's like now let's tie the the pieces of those two episodes and what we were doing before together and my theory with on with this episode is mm. that this they're so they're very confident now in the story that they're telling that this is a really important episode where they are basically setting up the end game for season two mm-hmm. is what I think is happening. So so in some ways, it's like the plot, I mean, a lot happens, but it's like the plot doesn't move forward as much as the pieces are moving around. The pieces that we've been playing with are moving around. Yes. And now it's like, okay, now we're ready to like, to go into the end game for this season. Yeah. Right? Like this this episode ends and so when we get to the end of this episode, I have all these my observations are all questions. Like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Because every this is this is setting up the questions the next three episodes are gonna answer. Right. Where it felt like season one with the finale was more like every episode just building on the others rather mm-hmm. than building in different directions and then coming together again. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Yeah. And there's three episodes left after this There's three of this season? after this, yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I feel like they're just going to get more and more jam-packed. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, because I haven't seen them. I'm curious how much resolution we're going to have at the end of this season or how much this season's going to have just a cliffhanger because yeah. they, they've reached a point where, and I was, so I've been watching this with my kids now and they're basically caught up to us and they're, I can't remember what episode it was and I turned to my daughter and I said, oh, by the way, they're kind of done resolving stories at the end of episodes. <laughs> so what I'm curious about is how confident are they that they can get to the end of the season and be like, yeah, we're not going to resolve something? Or yeah. is there going to be a minor resolution with a cliffhanger? Because season one ends with a a resolution to kind of the, the North Pole story, but then you have Azula show up. And it's like, I mean, it's almost like a post credit sequence in a yes. Marvel movie. Like, oh, but here's the new Big Bad, right? Right, there's a sequel. So I don't know what the plan is here. I don't know where this is going. Right. So it excites me. We should get into the episode, though. Yes, we should. There's so much to talk about. Okay, so we are in Bossing Say. We're at the Yang Gang guest house. And we start out the season or the episode with um, these, like, really quite terrible drawings of yes, Appa. I love this. Um, they're like childlike and they're scattered across the living room floor and uh, we pan out to see who is making them and it's Sokka. He's like lying on his belly on the ground like a kid. I think he even has his tongue sticking out and he's drawing another Appa to add to his collection. He does have his tongue out and I wondered how much of that is like a, a glancing reference to like the old Peanuts cartoons, like the Charlie Brown cartoons, because it's very much like that is what they show when, like, Charlie Brown is putting in effort into, like, writing something. Yeah. Like, it's like his tongue out, kind of, like, biting his tongue as he's going, and it's just like, I wonder if they, if, if that is just like a like a Charles Schultz homage. Right, because I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that in real life. <laughs> right. 
But that, but it's like it's totally that. Oh yeah, like he is in total concentration, like a child though. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Toph, uh, we see that Toph is laying next to him. Momo is licking her feet, which is kind of gross. Yeah, but she like doesn't care. Defend your guy Momo here for a second. Uh, maybe he's doing it for her, right? Oh, like, okay. You know, like sure, sure. That works. I don't know why. I don't know if that's a defense. (laughs) It's still kind of gross. Good enough. (laughs) Okay. So um, we see uh, Aang and Katara enter through the front door, and they're really excited. And Katara says that they found someone to make posters for them, like a real professional artist. And they hold up this lifelike, two-scale, accurate drawing of Appa. And... um, they even have, like, Aang's face in the corner. It looks kind of like the Wanted posters, but right. it's a Lost Appa poster. And I will say, we've talked about Avatar stuff on Etsy, and I know you can get... I've seen the Wanted posters. I'm sure this is a poster one could buy. This yes. would be a pretty sweet poster, actually. Yes. Honestly, I want one of Sokka's Appas to be a tattoo. That's kind of cool, actually. Right? What, like, a weird deep dive. to Because, like, <laughs> a lot of people would look at that and be like, "What? what is that? If some listener is so inclined to go to a tattoo artist and get that on them, please let me know. I would be so thrilled to think <laughs> that they would do that. Okay, I, I don't want to get us off track. Okay. But, but if you could, if if you had to have, no, not had to, you could have an avatar tattoo because you're somebody who's inclined to having tattoos at yes, this point, right? I do have what would, some. What would be the avatar tattoo? I think it's got to be Momo. Oh, interesting. Right? Okay. He's so cute. Like, maybe not in the Avatar style, but, like, based off of what Momo looks okay, like. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I don't know. How about you? You you I don't have any tattoos. I wouldn't. Uh, if you were forced to. I think if I was forced to... I mean, it would be it would be one of the like nation symbols. Oh yeah, or maybe or maybe the four of them like with the the cross and the circle around it, like mm. like um like Iroh draws in bitter work, or maybe maybe the lotus tile. Oh. Although although the thing is like I don't yet know what the lotus tile means, so like it might be dark and it's like oh that actually is really bad. Yeah, but, like that would be something potentially if that turns out to not be sinister and dark. I think you got to shave your head and put the arrow. <laughs> That's an option. <laughs> that would be can subtle. Can you get that kind of blue? Um, it, yeah, you probably can. Okay. <laughs> you would want to go to someone who's really good. Otherwise, it could look really bizarre. Right. Um. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I guess back on track. Um, Aang, Aang's face is in the corner of this poster. It looks magnificent, uh, much better than whatever Sokka's creating. And Sokka stands up and he says, you know, like, this was my job, right? Again, like taking a role. I was supposed to create these posters. And he holds up one of his collection and Aang and Katara start to scrutinize it. And they are having a ball. And so they're like, Sokka, um, Appa's arrow is on his head. And uh, Sokka's like, this is his head. And then they're like, why are feet coming out of it? Like, it, it looks terrible. It looks like a peanut that grew legs. Yep. Yeah. With an arrow. With an arrow. (laughs) And then Sokka says, well, I haven't seen him in a while, okay? And he slumps to the ground in defeat. I love the... the, We haven't seen the, like, Sokka struggle for identity, struggle for a role thing in a couple episodes. So it was kind of cool to be like... Yeah. Oh, like, he's he's trying to figure out, like, what's my job here? Yeah. It also is really refreshing coming out of a lot of episodes that were quiet or, like, pensive or dark to just have Sokka making a fool of himself. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, So Aang beams at his friends, though. He's holding up the stacks of posters, and he's like, let's get busy. And we see the team head out to distribute, and Aang and Momo fly 
vibe of the city, dropping dozens of posters. Which made, yeah, posters and flyers, which made me think of, um, like, like propaganda efforts during World mm. War II of like the Allies flying over and dropping, you know, dropping leaflets and things like that. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because this is a, a place in war and yeah, it, it, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, so it's like the positive version of propaganda. <laughs> right. And like, go, go, go. More propaganda. Um, so then we go to the tea shop and we see two satisfied customers approach Iroh and they congratulate him on his success in the tea business in Bossing Se. And they say, the whole city is buzzing about you. I hope Pow is paying you well. And Iroh is very happy about this. Doesn't this make you want to read the tea trade publications in Bossing Se? Like, yeah, me, yes. <laughs> like every, everything's buzzing. Like, like, yeah, like, like, I just want to know. I wonder how many tea shops there are in Bossing Se. It's a big city. I want like a copy of, of like Tea Life magazine from Bossing Say with Iroh on the cover yes. or something. I want a map that just has all the tea shops on oh, it. Oh, I like it. That'd be cute. Um so so uh Iroh's really happy and he says, Good tea is its own reward. But you can tell he's also really excited about the compliment. And the two customers then explain uh that Iroh could have his own tea shop, like he is that good. And uh Iroh exclaims that would be his dream come true. And then Pau, the shop owner, I don't know that we knew his name until no. now. Um, he overhears this and he tries to interrupt the, the this poaching of his best um, tea worker. And he's trying to convince Iroh and he calls him Mushi and I always forget, right? Like, don't you expect them to just call them Iroh yeah. and Zuko? Yeah. Throws me off. But he says, um, you know, Mushi, if you stay, you'll get a promotion. Um, and the customers then say that they can give Iroh a new apartment in the upper ring of Bossing Say, ensuring complete creative freedom over his shop, which I thought, I don't know that there's complete creative freedom in the upper ring of Bossing Well, that's Say. just it. It's like, they're, like, that seems like a great thing, but maybe not? Yeah. Uh, I also love the that that uh, the the owner of the tea shop keeps escalating the title it's not more pay but it's like and it's very much like um i mean there, there's something called title inflation right like instead of giving someone a promotion oh. you make them the assistant vice president for whatever whatever you know right. it also reminds me of the office with like assistant to the regional manager it's like well we can make you because none of it is like all of it is like like a low title that just has a bunch of superlatives around yes. it. Yes. And yes. And then when Dwight is made assistant regional manager, there's no pay raise. There's no change in description. Right. It's right. just the title. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but it is interesting to see Iroh kind of seduced by this. Yeah, right? It's almost, yes. It's like, especially given that he probably can tell some things are off there, right? Like this sure. guy's smart and uh, he can probably sense the, the different factions within the city, but yet the tea shop. It makes me wonder when the last time that Iroh thought about his own dreams and aspirations, because he's also like in the service of Zuko for yeah. most of the time. And now it's like this opportunity is coming to him and it's interesting that he wants to jump in. And it's almost surprising I mean, this sounds terrible, but it's almost surprising that he has a dream because he's somebody who just floats through life. And it seems like he's okay with whatever happens. He really lives in the present. So to think right. of like searching for something in the future doesn't seem like Iroh. Also, do you want to draw attention to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> because 
remember there are other Earth Kingdom folks who have recognized him as yes as the Dragon of the West. I mean, think back to the Spirit World episode in season one. They see him and they instant that one guy instantly knows this is General Iroh. Right, and in the upper ring, you have the university. You have people studying about the past and like but not about the war. That's true. That's true. Maybe he's taking it. Maybe he doesn't realize it, but he's taking advantage of the fact that the war does not exist in Bossing. <laughs> right. So the Dragon of the West does not exist. That's interesting. That's I hadn't wild. Of that. Yeah, because otherwise people would. I mean, his face would be like. Yeah. Infamous. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, we just answered our own question. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. The audience just heard us do that. Okay, so um, he. He is sold, though, when he hears that he gets to name the shop if he does move to the upper ring. And Iroh, at that, hands his teapot to Pow and bows to the customers in agreement. Yes, he wants a tea shop. He wants to name it. And Zuko passes by at this moment with a serving tray. And Iroh tells him the good news. And Zuko just continues walking away without looking, responding in like a sour voice. I'll try to contain my joy. (laughs) He is not thrilled. And Zuko then leaves the shop and he stands outside the front door and he's his arms are crossed and an oppa poster falls or an oppa flyer falls down in front of him and lands at his feet. And Zuko picks it up and looks at Appa's drawing and he's shocked. And he climbs a nearby rooftop to see if he can spot the source of the poster and to see if he can spot Aang. Uh, so now he knows we're in the same place. Well, that was interesting because I forgot that he didn't know that. Yeah, right? Like, you would think that at this point he would, but they try to keep everything so secretive and quiet, he wouldn't have heard that Aang is there, right? Right, right. And and, and, and they're not in Ba Sing Se because they were looking for Aang. They're hiding out in Ba Sing Se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until now, right? Like, now something might change with Zuko. So uh, we go back to Katara, Toph, and Sokka. Um, killing time in the guest house. And Katara and Sokka are playing some kind of card game. It didn't look like it was like, Pie Show. No, it's like it has tiles, though, but not, yeah, but it's not but a board cards. game. Cards, yeah, yeah, or something. And um, Toph is passing the time by throwing a stone against the wall and then catching it over and over again. Like she's in prison. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Aang then bursts through the door with Momo and he asks, hey, has anybody dropped um, by with news about Appa? And Guitara reminds him, you know, like, it's only been a day. Like, these things take time. You got to be patient, Aang. And uh, then they hear a knock on the door, and Aang declares patience does pay off. But at the door is Judy, the original Judy, the long-haired Judy. I was surprised. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I know. Well, last time we saw her, it was at the bear birthday party. Mm-hmm. I forgot the bear's name. I don't think they ever say. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, it was at the bear's birthday party, and uh, she was taken presumably by the Daily and then replaced again, right, with a different Judy. Um, but here she is, and her face is fixed. She's smiling uh, in her normal Judy way, and she slowly and mechanically says hi to each of them individually. Hi, Aang. Hi, Katara. Hi, Sokka. And Sokka asks her if the Daily threw her into jail, and Judy plays dumb and says, What? Jail? The Daili are the protectors of our cultural heritage. I simply took a short vacation to Lake Laogai, out in the country. It was quite relaxing. When she started with the sort of saying what the Daili was, protectors of our cultural heritage, like it was it was so chilling because it was like it's like seeing the reprogrammed version of her. And so it's like she both knows who they are. But like I almost thought, are we starting over? Yeah. 
like w- with their relationship with her. And um, I love the theme that they have running through the musical theme they have running through Bossing Say whenever it's uh, like a brainwashed or yeah reprogramming. It's really eerie. They do mm-hmm. a great job with the music. Um, so Katara asks, though, then she asks Judy to explain why she was replaced by the other Judy. And Judy just ignores her question and uh, gestures to herself with a faked innocence and says, I'm Judy. Right. As if there was never another Judy. And she may not actually know that there are others. Right, right. True. <laughs> she seems to be fully not understanding anything around her. Right. Um, And she explains to the gang that she's visiting them to request, she says request, that they stop dropping flyers and posters because it's not permitted unless they have proper clearance. And we see Aang yell. He rarely yells, but he does this time. He says, we don't care about the rules and we aren't asking permission. And his face is red and like steam is literally rising out of his head, out of his ears. And he says, we're finding Appa on our own and you should just stay out of our way. And he slams the door in her face. And Sokka says that, you know, okay, great, Aang, your outburst might come back to haunt us, right? Like, we might be in trouble because you just yelled at Judy. But Aang doesn't care. And Toph rejoices at the idea of breaking more rules in the city. So they all say, you know, we're going to go out and continue to distribute posters and flyers. They all leave the front door of the guest house, but as they do, we see two members of the Dai Li, I think they were soldiers on the rooftops, mm-hmm. um, watching their every move as they exit the roof, or as they exit the home. <laughs> Which is interesting, because then you realize, like, like they sent in Judy to sort of, and they were watching that to sort of see what the reactions are. And is yeah. this also when Toph blows, like, half the house uh, away? Yes. The way that Toph exits is just destroying a wall. <laughs> She's really excited. She's definitely overbossing. Say, yeah, poor girl, poor yeah. girl. So we see a shot of the palace from the outside, and I thought it had some very similar uh, architecture to the Forbidden City, which I thought was interesting. Um, and inside, we see Long Feng's green tinted office, and uh, he's chastising Judy for her inability to control the Avatar and his friends. And Judy begins to cry for kind of the, one of the few times we see her show emotion at all. And she lifts her hand to her face, saying she can't continue to work like this. And Long Feng says in a soothing, deep voice, Judy, the Earth King, has invited you to Lake Laogai. And her pupils dilate, and she drops her hand from her face, and all of her emotion leaves her instantly. And she says, I am honored to accept his invitation. So this was such a such an interesting moment because I wondered like as I was watching this and we'll see what what happens but I still sort of wonder like is Lake Laogai really a place or is it like a is it a code for something or mm. like because we're going to see him say this and like right now he's saying it and he doesn't mean we're going to take you back to Lake Laogai it's like it is a it a is trigger. a trigger yeah. right so like when I first heard this I was like is Lake Laogai even a thing is it a place because she describes it generally as like out in the country you know so like is it in the walls of the city where is it what is it yeah or i loved this yes or the first time i watched it my mind went to like torture like is it some kind of torture mechanism right because like lao guy it just sounds really menacing too but it's also interesting when you realize that the way that this brainwashing works is like you do you're not a robot you do have this kind of agency 
because she can say she can sit there and cry and be like, "I'm I can't do this." Mm-hmm. So like she's herself, and then he can like turn back on the programming. So like, yeah. it's very interesting, and we'll see how this plays out in some other ways in this episode. It's also interesting because the people who are programmed, they're not doing anything wrong really like they're actually like i mean law abiding Mm -hmm. i guess is what they're trying to program them to be right but like proper and like actually kind like nice and uh yeah it's just it's interesting that they're using people in a system of order to try to to get their things done right Mm -hmm. like i don't know interesting so long feng then commands judy to leave um but he continues his monologue to some of the other daily members in the room and he says if the avatar keeps searching for his bison it could upset the delicate balance we've worked so hard to achieve in this city it could even cost us control of the earth king which made me think that was interesting that that Mm. he just sort of now granted he's talking to other daily but because we don't know what the Earth King is yet. We, mm-hmm. He was this shadowy figure, and so it that line makes me re, makes me think the Earth King is somebody that they are afraid to lose control of, not somebody that they're confident is really is just a puppet for them. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, has he been programmed the same way? You know, I we've, don't know. We've never seen. I mean, I don't even know that that was a real person that yeah. they that they carted through. Yeah. Uh, so a member of the Dai Li asks if they should take care of Aang, and Long Feng says it's too dangerous to confront the Avatar. Instead, he says, let's see if we can handle this quietly. A great, and, and it's just sort of a great moment of wondering what, what does that mean? Right, and, right. And we'll see. Uh, so Zuko enters uh, their, it looked like their apartment. Yeah, I think so. Uh, to see Iroh packing up a few of his belongings, which was a teapot and a shirt. <laughs> Very Iroh. Essentials. Yeah, yeah, you know. And uh, Iroh tells Zuko that he's been brainstorming some names for the new tea shop, like Jasmine Dragon. He says it's dramatic, poetic, has a nice ring to it. But Zuko interrupts his musings and reveals that the lost Appa poster um, exists, right? Like they're all over the city. And he reveals his discovery that Aang is in Ba Sing Se. And Iroh says, we have a chance for a new life here. If you start stirring up trouble, we could lose all the good things that are happening for us. And Zuko says, good things that are happening for you. Have you ever thought I want more from life than a nice apartment and a job serving tea? That's a really good point that he makes. Mm-hmm. And it's not even, I mean, we're gonna, this episode's going to have a lot of Zuko and Iroh kind of working through what they want for each other, what they want for themselves. But it is sort of fascinating that this is the first time... That Iroh's vision of the future, Iroh's dreams, he's letting that sort of take over. And, and it's like, it's almost like Zuko's realizing, this is going to sound weird, but almost like a parent realizes that a child has grown up. He's, mm. he's realized, like Zuko's realizing that Iroh is no longer just along for the Zuko ride, but Iroh's like found found something for himself yeah and and i mean it's like it's like having a good friend who falls in love or something and you're like oh now it's no longer you and i now like there's this other thing yeah it's it's i didn't expect that i really liked that yeah it's like he didn't realize that his uncle has agency and that maybe zuko's presence in his life like takes away some of that agency but likewise that iroh is assuming What's good for Iroh is good for Zuko. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's not either. Right. Exactly. 
So um, Iroh says, there's nothing wrong with a life of peace and prosperity. I suggest you think about what it is that you want from your life and why. And Zuko says, I want my destiny. And Iroh goes, what that means is up to you. So we're back to mission statement stuff here. And and, and this is going to be one of those episodes where there's a lot of Iroh Zuko talking about kind of the meaning of life stuff. So mm-hmm. Which is, is uh, which is one of the things I love about this show that they'll they'll pepper in a B-plot. And this is actually a B-plot that's going to intersect with the A-plot. Mm-hmm. That, that is really about some of these huge questions of meaning. Like great philosophical questions. Yes. So Zuko leaves then and Iroh abruptly points into the air and says, the T-Weevil. No, that's stupid. Still thinking about those names. He's right, though. That is a stupid name. I know. I like Jasmine Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think first idea, best idea is, yeah. the, is, is, is what we're doing. It's there. dramatic. It's poetic. It has a ring to it. So meanwhile, Sokka and Katara are hanging up posters in the walls and in the alleys of Ba Sing Se. And Sokka suggests that they split up to cover more ground in the city. And then he looks over at Toph and says, uh, I guess Toph can come with me. And Toph starts to grumble. She feels useless, I guess, right? She can't really help with some of those things. So she grabs a poster from him and sticks it to the wall, but it's facing into the wall um, backwards. And she says, it's upside down, isn't it? I'll just go with Sokka. And so Katara goes off on her own, and Momo accompanies Aang, and Sokka and Toph are together. I, th- this is a, a very minor thing, but I always love to point out, like, intersections with Video Store. And this rem- watching them put up these posters with, like, the wheat paste and, the, and putting up the poster. Um, this weekend, Video Store, which will be several weeks ago when <laughs> this finally airs, uh, we watched the movie Bicycle Thieves, which is this Italian neorealist movie. And and the the only intersection is that the, the protagonist's job is hanging posters in the city. And there's a lot of scenes of like putting up the, the, the paste and putting the posters up. And it yeah. just, this made me think of that. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm sure they're not thinking about Bicycle Thieves here, but. No, no, it's one of those things that it feels like, I don't know, this show is so good about having characters do mundane things because they actually have to be done that way yep and like we're not just going to gloss over the mundane stuff yeah and even the the sense of like you don't just walk and stick a poster to the wall but you're watching them paste and like where did they get the paste and what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do they still have money for paste yeah i don't know <laughs> so uh, a couple streets away katara is hanging up posters on her own but she hears her name called and she recognizes the voice and turns around and sees Jet. We haven't seen him in a in a few episodes. Right. And I love these storylines now converging. I this know. is the first sign that everything's coming together. The last time she saw him, she had him up on the tree. Frozen w- up frozen. the tree. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Jet offers to help her and she <laughs> doesn't listen and draws water from a nearby pool and slams a tidal wave into him. And he tries to yell in vain, Katara, I've changed. But she advances on him and has a ball of water floating in her hands, kind of threatening him, saying, tell that to some other girl, Jet. And she shoots shards of ice at him, but he's able to dodge them without or with a little bit of trouble. Um, and he backs up against the wall in a dead end alley. And she um, is able to pin him into place with these ice shards. So she's not messing around. No, she's she's pissed. So Jet says, I don't want to fight you. I'm here to help. And he drops his weapon to the ground, uh, but he takes out something in his hand and she continues to throw shards at him. The Aang gang rushes in. They must have heard Katara fighting and they ask her what's wrong and they realize that Jet's back. So then we have a little commercial break, but we're still back in the alleyway. And Katara is telling the gang not to trust Jet 
But Sokka pushes back a little bit, you know, like maybe he's changed, right? Katara says, whatever the reason for why he's back, it can't be good. And Jen interrupts, I'm here to help you find Appa. And he opens his fist and shows that what was inside was a crumbled lost Appa poster. And Aang, wanting to find his friend, he's like, we need to give him a chance. I love the the way that Sokka and Katara have flipped on Jet here. Where yeah. In the, in the Jet episode, the initial one, Katara is enamored with him and Sokka instantly is doesn't trust him and here you have katara who has this history now saying no we can't listen to him and it's actually sokka saying well maybe yeah in sokka i mean sokka's being practical right like trying to find information where it is but yeah katara's so warm you don't Mm -hmm. expect her to be that angry but she was yeah which shows she's somebody you don't really want to cross right (laughs) she's terrifying she's a master so um, he says... Yeah, that's actually a good point. She's also way more powerful than she was the last time they met. <laughs> right? Um, I just think back to, like, the end of season one when she's battling Zuko. And, like, that's when we really start to see she's super powerful. So um, Jet says, I swear I've changed. I was a troubled person who let my anger get out of control. But I don't even have the gang now. I've put all that behind me. And Katara calls him a liar, but Toph steps in. And she places her hand on the wall that Jet is backed into and senses his breathing and his heartbeat and says, he's telling the truth. And I was like, where has this been? That's amazing. (laughs) What a helpful thing to do. I also want to point out how great narratively this is, this scene is, because we know far more about Jet than the Aang gang does. Yeah. Right? Because we've been tracking him. Even so... I don't know if I trust him because, like, I know he's been programmed, but it's like, but the things he's saying is true. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, is he not programmed? Is he, like, I don't know if he's being used or if this is really him. And 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 because we saw this, that scene with Judy earlier, it's like, this is so well done. Because I mm-hmm. remember watching, the first time I watched this, I was so conflicted with what, do I do I trust him or not? And I I just have so much baggage and so much experience. So even though I know way more than them, I still don't know what to think. Yeah, like with Judy, there is still some of Judy in her that mm-hmm. comes out in certain emotions, but then it can be stopped. And for him, it's like there's still some of some like there's some of Jet in him, but also we don't trust that Jet all the time, right? <laughs> right. But so so we've seen that arc, and we know he's potentially programmed, and we have. Uh, we have Long Fang saying, you know, let's try this other. So he's he's also an asset of theirs. So like it's so, it's it's such a great web that you. I'm just stuck in it. Yes. So Katara um, agrees to let Jet help them, mostly for the sake of Aang, uh, but she says she's going to keep her eyes on him, watch him closely. So Jet takes the gang to this large empty barn, saying that he works nearby. Which I was like, oh, he has a job. Hmm. And overheard a couple men talking about a giant furry creature that they were keeping in that barn. And they step inside and look around, and Toph yells from the corner, he was here, and she lifts up a chunk of Appa's fur that she found on the ground. It's so interesting that she's the one who finds the fur, too. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I remember the first time uh, we really had an episode with her, and she was, like, stepping on it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. she's very familiar with the touch of his fur. Um, And... So uh, Aang runs up to her excited. He he puts the fur in his hands, uh, almost like cherishing it. 
And an elderly man walks behind them and he's sweeping the dust and the hair from the floor of the barn. And he says, oh, they took that big thing yesterday, shipped him out to some island. About time. I've been cleaning up fur and various uh, leavings all day. <laughs> and he's like mumbling to himself. Uh, but the Aang gang hears and Aang is ecstatic. And he asks the man for more info. And the man says, the foreman said some rich royal type on Whale Tail Island brought him up. Guess for a zoo or such. Though it could be the meat would be good. Super dark. Yep. Yep. Again, the parts of Appa that they're yes. <laughs> talking about. So Saga pulls out a map and he shows the gang where Whale Tail Island is. And it's all the way back at the South Pole near their home, near where the story began. And he says it would take weeks, if not months, to get to there by land and by sea. And what's great about what we were just talking about, too, is like, I'm still sitting here thinking, is this true? This could be true. Yeah. Because that's not actually a bad move for the uh, for the Dai Li if they want to get rid of Aang is to take the thing that we know, the thing of his that we know that they have and that Aang wants and to ship it off as far as possible. Like, that's a pretty good plan. Yeah. And we know that Appa will fight back, but he's also been beaten so much over the last couple weeks that it's like he might not have a choice. Right. Yeah. yeah we don't know where. We don't know who to trust. Um, So Aang says that they have to do what it takes to find Appa. And Katara puts her hand on her on his shoulder in support of him. And um, Jet then offers, like, I can come with but Katara rejects him and said he's untrustworthy. And he walks away. But Toph turns to Katara and says, was this guy your boyfriend or something? And Katara's like, what? No. And Toph goes, I can tell you're lying. <laughs> second. Yeah. The second time she does that. It's super dope. Yeah. That ability. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. What's interesting is I wonder how much she's been doing that and just not letting letting on to oh, people. True. True. So um, the gang and Jet begin walking toward the train station. It is, I should say, it is interesting, though, that at this point she still doesn't trust Jet, even though Jet led them to where Appa was. Yeah. Like, like it's not like – he clearly seems to have information. Now, whether it's trustworthy or not, but she doesn't know what we know. She doesn't yeah. know why we would doubt it. Yeah, she just doesn't trust him because she knows he had ulterior motives in the past. Right. Yeah. Um. We see them all walking up to uh, toward this train station, talking about how they're going to take the train and then a boat and all these things to go find Appa. Uh, and Toph says she's so excited to leave Bossing Say, the worst city ever. I would agree with that. It seems like a great. pretty terrible not place. Great. I mean, we haven't seen much of the Fire Nation, but I don't know. But what we have seen in their in their urban areas are, is better than this. Yeah, there's the food, yeah. the culture. Seems exciting, not brainwashing. So Smellerby and Longshot turn a corner behind them and they spot Jet. And Smellerby yells out Jet's name and runs up to hug him. Gatara realizes his gang is here, that he did lie. Uh, and Jet seems confused by this. And Smellerby says, we were so worried. How did you get away from the Dai Li? And Jet says that it didn't happen right and we learned from smellerby that it was a couple weeks ago that this happened right she was like we saw it happen two weeks ago which also ta- points to the passage of time yeah because right? because it is possible to collapse all this into like a day or two you know even with even with um uh tales of bossing say but we actually like they it's crazy to think that they've been here that long yeah and the whole time sock is just making crappy posters that's right so jet says why would i be arrested i've been living peacefully in this city seemingly forgetting his 
confrontation with Zuko mm-hmm. entirely. And, and you know, even the words peacefully in the city made me think like, okay, here's, this is the programming, right? Yes. Even the language. Yep. So Toph touches the ground between Smellerby and Jet and confirms that they're both telling the truth. And Sokka pieces together that Jet thinks he's telling the truth, um, but he's been brainwashed. Smart. Well played, Sokka. Yeah. I'm, I like when they when they let Sokka, like, figure stuff out. Yeah, right? So then we see nighttime, um, and a member of the Dai Li is patrolling the city streets by himself. And the blue spirit turns a corner, runs out, and pushes him, running past him. How excited were you for the blue spirit? I was thrilled. I know. So uh, the Dai Li being pushed by this person in a mask chases after the blue spirit and follows him into a secluded alley and he sees the blue spirit standing at the end of the alley and he sends um there's like how would you describe it like a glove of earth yeah that's (laughs) that's exactly what it because it's like a little it's a little earth hand that they yeah that they have like around them and then they can shoot it at any time And it must be really powerful because like this is their go-to move yeah it's it doesn't seem that great because they can throw like boulders but somehow this must be like super accurate and maybe it packs more of a wallop than you would think yeah yeah. and yeah like the digits are helpful and grabbing i don't know it's bizarre but that's what they do um so he sends his rock glove flying at the blue spirit and it tears apart the blue spirit bit by bit even his head falls off and the real blue spirit then grabs the Dai Li from behind and he holds the swords up to him and whispers, if you don't want to end up like him, you'll do as I say. Then we go to the Aang gang and Jet and Jet's crew. And they're all in a house. Um, I was thinking maybe it's Smellerby and Longshot's house. I couldn't Could really be, tell. Yeah. Um, and Jet is tied up on the ground. And they're all confronting um Jet, knowing that he's probably brainwashed. And Guitar points out that Jet and even the janitor were all probably a part of the Dailies' plan to lead the Avatar in the wrong direction. It's so funny because when she brought that up, I was like, oh yeah, that is what it, like, I hadn't, I hadn't pieced that together. I was still on, like, they gotta go to Whale Tail Island, I guess. And it's like, maybe they don't. I'm dumb, as it turns out. <laughs> so, Aang asked Jet uh, where they where they kept him. Um, because that's probably exactly where the Dai Li are keeping Appa, too. And Jet is sincerely confused by it. And he doesn't think the Dai Li took him anywhere. And Aang said, we need to find a way to jog his real memories. And Sokka says, maybe Katara could kiss him. He's just... Uh, and then he goes like, hey, it's just an idea. Right? Like, just joking. And Aang says, a bad one. I like I like the, like how they do that stuff really quickly and don't dwell on it. Yeah. yeah. Like jealous Aang, but just for a second, and yep. they're back on the task. Um, and Sokka runs up <laughs> and grabs a piece of straw off the ground and shoves it in Jet's mouth to see if that triggers any memories, and Jet says, I don't think it's working. And then... We need to acknowledge there's some good humor in this episode. Yes. Like, stuff like that, again, it, that's really fast, too, but, like, what a funny joke. And they're relying on all the history we have with Yes. The imagery of these characters and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And then it gets really dark. <laughs> I thought it got really, maybe one of the darkest moments. So to trigger his emotions, Katara has him close his eyes and she and Smellerby coax him into remembering what the Fire Nation did to his family. They're literally making him get triggered. Mm-hmm. And we see Jet begin to sweat and he's um, his closed eyes open up wide 
and we see a flashback of people running from a city and the city is in flames and the rough rhinos stand at the edges of the fire glancing toward a terrified and very young jet. Yes, this is a monkey, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't think that we knew the rough rhinos were involved in Jet's family dying. Yeah. Um, So Jet jolts forward after the flashback and he says, the memories are too painful. So Katara draws water from her pouch and takes a bit in each hand and places it on Jet's ears or uh, on his head to um, and makes it glow. And we kind of see Jet vision now. And he's staring down at his hands and at the floorboards. But as he lifts his head to see out in front of him, it's not Aang. It's not his friends. But the room disappears and he can only see Long Fang hovering above a lake. And then Jet drops below the water of the lake, and his vision shows the room where he was brainwashed by the Dai Li with that lamp that was circling him. And he opens his eyes. Well, I, I love I loved that we were going to learn more about where he was taken, because when I think about that episode, the way they cut it makes it feel like he's just taken to like this room really close, but we're going to learn that he's taken somewhere else. Yes. He says, they took me to a headquarters under the water, like a lake. And Sokka recalls Judy's vacation to Lake Laogai, and Jet recognizes that name. So the next day, the Aang gang and Jet's crew stand at the edge of Lake Laogai. So how did they know where this is? That's what I was going to ask. I I mean, at least before, it was smart of them to bring up the map and to have Sokka looking at the map and saying, oh, Whale Tail Island's in the south because, like... But is Lake Laogai within the walls of the city? Or do they are they leaving the city? Because they have to get back into the city then. Yeah. I wasn't sure about that. You know, like... Um, it also seems like they get there quickly. Right. And they don't have Appa. It might be in that section between the inner and outer walls where the zoo is. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just a really big section <laughs> of the lake. Right. You can't see anything I, else. No, I would assume it probably is. It's got to be close. And what I, So it also makes me wonder, and these are questions that will not be answered. <laughs> so we learned that Lake Laogai is an actual lake, an actual place. It's not just a code or something. Mm-hmm. But like, is it the kind of thing that like, do people like go to Lake Laogai for vacation? Are there like vacation homes there? Because we're going to learn that all of the like hidden stuff is underground. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder like are is this like one of those things that's hidden in plain sight? Is Lake Laogai like in like a Earth Kingdom National Park? Like yeah. we don't know any of this stuff, but it's really I was fascinated that it was a place they could find and it actually is a lake. It's a, like it's literal in that way. Yeah, that's terrifying. I never thought of like life going on as usual, people even having fun, doing recreational things around a place of torture. Right, because that would make sense to like, oh, yes, I, I was given a vacation to Lake Lauga. It's like, well, that sounds great. It's like, but also that means this other thing. Right. That's terrifying. <laughs> I think it's a vacation hotspot is what I yes. think Yes. Like jet skiing and yes. stuff. Yes. So um, Toph senses a tunnel leading to the shore. And so she whistles as she walks over to the edge of the water and jumps high and slams down on the ground. And she causes a path of earth to rise up out of the water. And at the end of the path is this manhole <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of well yeah. with yeah. a ladder sticking out of it. And uh, the ladder's descending into darkness. And Momo looks down and flies off. He's nervous. He doesn't want to join them. But the rest of the gang and Jet's crew descend the ladder. And down below, the kids are stealthily walking through these near-empty hallways. Um, It's dark. It's tinted green, kind of like Long Fang's office. Mm -hmm. 
And they're following Jet as his memory slowly comes back. He starts recognizing where he is. And they walk past a door that's open just a crack, and they see a man instruct a group of young women who are dressed identically. And the instructor says to them, I'm Judy. Welcome to Ba Sing Se. And the girls echo him in unison, eyes unblinking. I'm Judy. Welcome to Ba Sing Se. And then the instructor says, we're lucky to have our walls to create order. And then they respond in unison. Yeah. So you realize this is this is where the programming happens and that there's lots of Judy's and that. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, what is the significance of Judy as a name and like, like why? But but what's also weird is she's also herself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she has these moments of being herself, but her identity is still Judy. So, like, I mean, maybe it's just goes deep and there's all kinds of layers to that. It's interesting. Another thing I thought about as they were walking through the the hallways or the tunnels is it does the construction of these, the brick of these, is the same brick as that tunnel in Opus Lost Days. Is it? Yeah, I mean it's the it's the but it would be like cinder block, right? Like that's sure. common. But I just I'm curious if we're ever gonna find out what that because that was such so clearly a man made tunnel that Appa was sleeping in. Yeah. And I'm thinking about oh there are these Earth Kingdom tunnels and like but I don't know where that was. I don't know is that anywhere near Bossing Say is that far yeah, away? Yeah, that's super interesting. So I, I I want them to deliver on that weird little thing. I'm sure they won't, but I'm very curious. It's also interesting to think if that's something that's common throughout the Earth Kingdom. Like I mean we have oh, the tunnels. secret tunnel and. You the badger so. moles. You would and... think so because they can build that stuff yeah. so easily. Yeah. yeah. That's so secretive. So. Yeah. I kind of love it. Yeah. Um, it, they also do a great job of making it feel dark and claustrophobic mm-hmm. down there. I thought that it was really well drawn. I was nervous the whole time. Yes. Because it is so, it's so big and spacious and empty. Yeah. At the, sa- at the same, it's claustrophobic, but it's not like they're in a small space. It's like the space is almost too big for them to be alone in. And it makes me feel like at any moment they're going to turn a corner and get caught. Yeah. It reminds me of how I feel when I watch. I mean, I don't watch Star Wars a ton, Sam. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mess Oh, I know exactly up. what you're about to say. Yeah. But like when they're running through ships in like the corridors and things and you know that there's going to be a stormtrooper yep. around the corner and it's like they have to look around. And that make is sure. exactly the thought where it's like they're not supposed to be there and they're running through and it's like at any moment it's going to get real bad. Yes. Yeah. So exactly. it's, it's almost like the... The feeling of impending doom is scarier than the doom itself. Right. (laughs) Um, And so then Jet takes them to this door where he remembers seeing a cell that was large enough to hold Appa. How does he have such a great (laughs) sense of the geography of this place? And how big Appa is. (laughs) He's like, Appa must be this sized. Well, that that I can... I mean, he he met Appa, didn't he? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But, But just like... If I was keeping this guy prisoner and programming him, I don't think I'd let him wander around and, like, learn the layout. Yeah, like, how long was he in there? Maybe he really was vacationing at Lake Laogai. That could be. <laughs> so uh, the door slides open, and we see Appa sitting in the darkness. But the room's a little different. Everything's a little darker, and it's revealed that the person who's opening the door isn't Jet. Uh, but cleverly, they made it the Blue Spirit. So... Zuko says, expecting someone else. I loved it because he's saying it to Appa, but he's also saying it to us. Yeah, I was like, what? (laughs) Zuko? (laughs) Um, So we see the Aang gang and Jet's crew walk through their door into an even larger room, but it appears empty, and the door slams shut behind them as they enter. And high above them are tons of hooks hanging from the ceiling. 
Yeah, I. It's, what's funny is, and they have such like this weird, ominous look to it that I got. I had to go back and watch that scene again to say, did I did I miss something? It reminded me of uh, the butcher shop in the Tales of Bossing Say, like yeah. all the hooks hanging from the ceiling and being like, this is bad. Yeah, yeah. This is bad. But I don't know that, yeah, I don't know that they really use the hooks much. I mean, I guess. Well, th- because the Dai Li is going to come down from the ceiling. So like, right. I don't know if that's part of how, the, I don't know. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah, it Either wasn't way. good. It's like when you're in a dark room and you see lots of hooks hanging from the ceiling, like it's. That's never a good sign. Yeah, you want to get What's out of that room. the best thing that could be hanging from those hooks? <laughs> so Long Feng uh, stands at the end of the room and he says, you made yourselves enemies of the state. Take them into custody. And members of the Dai Li drop them from the ceiling or from the hooks, who knows? And they begin to attack the kids with their earth gloves. And they battle, but Aang and Toph and Jet and the rest of them are skilled enough that they can hold back the Dai Li, at least for a little bit. And Long Fang realizes this and runs off through a door behind him. Aang notes that Long Fang is escaping, so he and Jet chase him while the rest of the crew fights the Dai Li. And they run down a hallway and into another empty room, and Long Fang drops from the ceiling behind them, earth bending the door to lock them inside. What is this dropping from ceilings thing? I don't know. Skillful. Yeah. If, they, they just like to make a dramatic entrance, I yes. think. It also seems very, like, vampiric or it something. It does. Yeah. I mean, they do kind of seem vampiric in general. So Long Fang says, all right, Avatar, you've caused me enough problems. This is your last chance if you want your bison back. And says Aang has to agree to leave the city immediately, and then all the charges against him will be waived, and he can have his bison back. It's funny because it's the Avatar. Like, I don't know that he cares about the charges. Right. Like, he's going to stand trial in Ba Sing Se or something. Right. Like, he's already stood trial before and he got out of it okay. Yeah. You know? Uh, and Jet says, you are in no position to bargain, which is true. It seems pretty bold to say that to two trained warriors mm-hmm. and one of them being the Avatar. But Long Fang speaks slowly and carefully, turning his attention to Jet and says, Jet, the Earth Kingdom has invited you to Lake Laogai. And Jet's eyes dilate, and he responds mechanically, I am honored to accept his invitation. And then our brainwashed Jet turns on Aang and starts attacking Aang. Which is so, which I, I just love the, I love, I think, I think like brainwashed stories are kind of interesting. And, and just the idea of like that there's a switch that he can flip, which is why he was in a position to, to, to bargain, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, we can, because you don't know that I own you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then back with the blue spirit, uh, Appa pounds his paws angrily on the floor, but he's still chained up. And Zuko says, you're mine now. But the door behind him opens again and in walks Iroh. And Zuko says, uncle? And Iroh says, so the blue spirit, I wonder who could be behind that mask. Obviously, Zuko was not expecting to see his uncle. And he sighs and he pulls off his mask and he asks his uncle what he's doing in Lake Laogai. I wondered, how did... How did Iroh know where this was, how to get here? I mean, I get that he knows that Zuko's going out to find Appa. Yeah. But, like, how tapped into, like, the secret world of Ba Sing Se is Iroh? Yeah. Because he just walks in like it's no big deal. I I mean, Zuko's a great tracker, but maybe Iroh is too. Like, maybe he learned from Iroh. That's interesting. So you think Iroh was maybe following Zuko this whole time? I mean, yeah, because Iroh's known since the beginning who the Blue Spirit oh, is, sure, right? Sure. And, like, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he followed Zuko on other blue spirit trips. Oh, I want to, if that's the case, which it probably is, why couldn't, they probably didn't have time, but why couldn't they have shown us that? I would have loved to watch Iroh track blue spirit Zuko I through bossings. I could see him after Zuko like attack someone or something, him going up and being like, I'm so sorry. It's, right. He's very troubled. <laughs> it's, he's going to get better. I promise. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, uh, Iroh turns to Zuko and says, I was about to ask you the same thing. What do you plan to new- do now that you've found the Avatar's bison? Keep it locked in our new apartment? Should I go put on a pot of tea for him? Which was funny, but I was also like, he would totally do that. Yeah. Like, Iroh would give tea to Appa. But he's got such a great... I mean, I, I, what I like about the Zuko-Iroh conversations throughout this is, like, they're both just dropping truth on each other. Iroh is 100% right. Like, yes. What is, what is your plan here? He's Yes. Zuko's only ever had a plan up to a point. And then when it succeeds, he's, like, surprised that it succeeds. Right. <laughs> so he says... And he begins to yell now. It was a voice raising. And he says, you never think these things through. This is exactly what happened when you captured the Avatar at the North Pole. And he's yelling and he said, you had him and then you had nowhere to go. And if his friends hadn't found you, you would have frozen to death. Which I like because it's not just Iroh protecting the Avatar or protecting the balance of the world. But it's like Iroh protecting his nephew. Yeah. yeah. Saying, "You, could, I could have lost you. Yeah, I mean, his critique is 100% on point. Mm-hmm. And Zuko even kind of shivers at this. And he says, I know my own destiny, uncle. And Iroh says, is it your own destiny or is it a destiny someone else has tried to force onto you? Now, what's interesting about this is there's a weird echo back to the earlier conversation where Iroh was trying. Iroh is also trying to... Maybe not force, maybe that's too strong, but trying to offer up a particular destiny to him to be like, why don't you want the one I want? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which, yeah, it, that's a good criticism of Iroh. I wonder if he realized that after his nephew said it. Maybe. Maybe yeah. not. I, I don't know. know. So um, Zuko turns away and he's facing Appa now and he says, stop it, uncle. I have to do this. And Iroh from over his shoulder says, I'm begging you, Prince Zuko. It's time for you to look inward and begin asking yourself the big questions. Who are you and what do you want? Zuko face, Zuko's face shows an inner battle and he's raging and he tosses his swords and his mask to the ground. All right. So here's something that I loved about this scene is uh, when Zuko says... Uh, stop it, Uncle! I have to do this, right? Like it's 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 he is. It's like we're seeing season one Zuko come back, and mm-hmm. like I expected him to say, "My destiny, my honor, my right." And I realized, like he is, he has also been programmed. Yeah, he has been programmed just like Judy and Jet have been. I mean, they've been literally brainwashed, but Zuko has been programmed a particular image of who he's supposed to be. And he has a certain way of talking. And if you pay attention throughout these first two seasons, there are multiple moments when it's like he stops talking and he starts reciting something, you know, about like, this is this is my yeah. my destiny, my honor. Whenever he starts to talk about that stuff, it's like he's not a person anymore. It's like he's acknowledging he's a character, mm. right? And, and so and it feels like, oh, that is... And that's what I think Iroh is talking about is like, you're starting to do it again. You're starting to just play the role someone has given you to play. 
And instead, I'm begging you, like, think about what you want. I loved that because it echoes Jet and Judy and all of this programming stuff. Yeah, and it also reminds me of Zuko alone when uh, it, it's all searching for identity, right? And then he has the flashback of his mother mm-hmm. who who is the one who knows his true identity. He, She knows who he is and what he wants, right? And it's like... You just so want him to go back into that moment and realize who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love just as questions. Uh, oh, I know. Who are you and what do you want? Right? I mean, we in the class we teach, this is one of the framing questions, you know, who am I and who should I be? And we literally say, these are the big questions right. of the class. <laughs> right. So it's like, thank you, Iroh. <laughs> oh, man. So then we go back with Aang and Jet. And Aang is trying to calm Jet. And evading and avoiding his attacks. And Aang says, you don't have to do this. And Long Feng says, I'm afraid he no longer has a choice. Now, what I loved about this is this this does feel like a Star Wars echo. This feels like Return of the Jedi watching the the Emperor watch Vader fight, uh, fight Luke. Yeah. Right? And it's like he has control over one of them. And what ends up happening, right, is that Vader eventually... Luke convinces Vader to turn on the Emperor. Yeah. Or well, it's more complicated than that. But 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 like so there is this, this sort of great echo uh. of like one person's the puppet master watching yes. these two potential um people he's trying to maybe harness or control fight each other, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually see this Star Wars reference, Sam. <laughs> so Aang escapes a few more attacks and keeps calling out to Jet, keeps trying to remind him who he is. And he says, Jet, I'm your friend. Look inside your heart. Which also sounds Star Warsy, the like search your feelings. Yes. I and mean, also interesting that Aang called him his friend too. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's on his side. Because he know I think he knows that the that there's aspects of the Jet he's interacting with that is his friend and his ally. Almost like when Zuko and and uh, Aang have had their moments right. when Aang is like, we could have been friends. Yeah. So Long Feng says, do your duty, Jet. And Jet is sweating and panting and his eyes are dilated. He's looking rough. And he takes a few steps toward Aang and his weapons are raised up. And Aang says, you're a freedom fighter. And the name triggers his memories of his gang, and we see a bunch of flashbacks of things we've seen before with Jet um, from the Jet episode when he's doing his speech at the dinner, uh, when Katara is getting close to him, then when he's traveling to Bossing Se, and then his brainwashing. And he awakens from his uh, programming, and he spins around and throws his sword pick spear thing mm-hmm. what what would the you... hook swords hook swords thank you <laughs> hook swords at long fang who dodges just in time and sends a mass of earth sliding at jet and in an instant jet is on the ground from the impact and long fang flees but turns around and says foolish boy you've chosen your own demise i love the parallels of jet and zuko in this it's so good. I mean, even the the phrases are the same. Mm-hmm. Aang says, you don't have to do this. Zuko says, I have to do this. And then we have, you, you're going to choose your own demise. Um, and talking about choice and agency and being forced to do something. Right. I noticed in your in your notes you you, you mentioned like at least he chose though. Like, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't somebody choosing for him. Mm-hmm, exactly. Like he got freedom and he chose to to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aang runs to Jet's side and Jet apologized to, ch- apologizes to him, which Aang says, you know, we, you don't need to do that. 
and Toph earthbends open the door behind them into the room, and the rest of the Aang gang and Smellerby and Longshot, Longshot are looking at a fallen jet in shock. And they run to him, and they stand above him, and Katara draws out her healing water immediately and floats it over his chest. And she looks back at her friends and says, this isn't good. She can sense that it's not working. And Smellerby says she and Longshot can take care of Jet, but the rest of them find, and the rest of them should find Appa before he's moved again. Guitar says that they won't abandon him, and Longshot, who has never talked, yes, decides to pipe in and says, "Just go. We'll take care of him. He's our leader." I loved everything about that. I love that the Katara using her powers and just. There's so much. There's so much loaded into her saying it's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I leave this episode wondering, like, is he, is he dead? Yeah. Like we don't, we don't get a full answer to that, but it sure, it sure points in that direction. Yeah. And Jet smiles meekly at Katara. He says, "Don't worry, I'll be just fine." And as the Aang gang walks off, Toph whispers to Sokka, he's lying. Which is an echo of the it's not good. Like, like they both they both are using their powers to say, don't, this is, this is bad. What's yeah. Ha- yeah, yeah. They're both using their special, like, even yeah. their more special powers. So Smellerby is crying and she strokes Jet's forehead as she sits on the ground next to him. And Longshot draws an arrow and he points it at the do- door to defend themselves. And that's where we leave those three. And so then the Aang gang uh, finds Appa's door, and they open it, but the room is empty apart from the chains and a bit of Appa's fur on the ground. And so they dash out of the room, and we see a shot from above the lake, uh, and a tunnel emerges from the water, and Toph earthbends open the manhole cover on the tunnel. And the friends are running along the shore looking for Appa and also trying to escape. And Aang looks over his shoulder to see that the Dai Li also emerge from the tunnel and that they're chasing after them. Sokka turns to Aang and says, you think we can outrun them? And Aang says, I don't think it's going to matter. And he looks out in front of him to see that Long Fang is standing there with a dozen Dai Li who are building up walls of earth around the kids. Just loaded with symbolism. Yeah. And they stand on the tops and the edges of the wall and they look down at Aang and his friends. Terrifying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it's one of those things where you you are... Like I don't know how they're gonna get out of it. Like like they do this great job of of just building to this moment where it's like, I uh, I actually don't know what the solution what the solution is. Yeah, as powerful as they are, I don't know what the solution. And is. Aang seems stumped that the friends are just standing in the center of all these walls and the lake. Uh, and then Momo flies in, and he lands on Aang's shoulder. I honestly forgot about Momo. Yeah. Until now. <laughs> Yeah, because you forget he didn't, because he's always just sort of there, and all, I mean, he hasn't been there because he didn't go down in the tunnel. Yeah, so he lands on Aang's shoulder and chirps, and Aang turns and says, what is it, Momo? And then we see Momo fly up and disappear into the light of the sun above them. But then he comes back a second later with a roaring and very pissed off Appa. And Appa crashes through the walls of the Daily and sends the members flying into the lake. It's so victorious. And you know what this this reminds me of? Well, part of this reminds me of um, it's a, it's a, it's a weird Lord of the Rings reference. But do you remember when um, Gandalf is at the um, he's trapped in the tower in the tower with Saruman, and he's up on the roof, mm-hmm. and and like Saruman is is about to 
basically kill him from there and that little moth shows up yeah and it's like and that lets him know that the big um is it the eagle that comes and, and, yeah. and saves him and it's like so it's like like momo is there like the moth to be like oh just so you know i'm here and if i'm here then all of a sudden boom appa's there yes and it is the most epic thing when yeah. the eagle comes in and when appa comes in and uh oh my gosh so he he tears through the walls and he lands in front of Long Feng, and Long Feng says, I can handle you by myself, and starts to charge at Appa. But then Appa easily bites his leg and flings him high into the air, and Long Feng's body skips across the lake like a stone. <laughs> and uh, the whole gang runs up to Appa. They embrace him. Aang's face is right up on his, and he's crying and says, I missed you, buddy. And we get a close-up of Appa's eye which closes in peace. And it made me think about what you were saying. Yeah, this is so consciously like the closure for Appa's Lost Days. Yeah. Because this is, I mean, Appa's Lost Days doesn't end with the resolution, but this is it. Like we we watched all of that through his eyes. The shots either through his eyes or of his eyes sort of said where he was. And this is Appa finally at peace again. Yes, yeah, able like, to I, close his eyes. Just hats off to the, the animators for this. Like they Beautiful. nailed it. Beautiful. Also, just like clearly know animals well, probably our pet owners to know that like an animal only knows it's safe when it can close its eyes, mm-hmm. right? Like that's how you know that your pet is safe with you is like they feel comfortable closing their eyes with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the crew flies off on Appa above the lake and Katara's eyes are filled with tears. She's obviously looking at the water and thinking about Jet. And the four friends then hug, and it's one of those classic, like, fly off into the distance ending moment of the episode. Yeah, which is very common in season one. There's a lot of that. And, like, it hasn't really happened in season two. And it felt so good. (laughs) I was so happy. But it wasn't the end. We have one more quick scene from below, and we see Zuko, who's also climbing out of the ladder and out of that first tunnel. And he's pulling up his uncle after him. And Iroh says, you did the right thing, nephew. And Zuko looks at his blue spirit mask, and Iroh tells him to leave it behind. And so Zuko drops it into the lake, and we watch it slowly sink out of view. This reminded me of the storm. You mm-hmm. remember there's the scene in the storm where they're on the ship. It's after they're in like the eye of the storm, and the ship is in is in danger. Uh, the The Fire Nation ship is in danger, and the crew are are you know are in danger. And Zuko sees. Uh, Appa and Appa and Aang flying across the sky and he like has this choice of like do we chase after them or do we care about the people around us yeah and it's like this sort of felt like a reflection of that where once again Zuko in essence like he had the thing he was going for right in his grasp and he instead chooses sort of the humanity around him yeah and I I really loved that I love that He's continually brought to those crossroads and that I feel like Iroh's voice is always in the back of his head saying, like, choose humanity. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful. So thoughts. What are your thoughts? Observations. So, like I said, I think this is a table setting episode. So I have mostly my observations are questions. So I'm just going to rattle off some questions. Yes. Feel free to interject. Uh, first off, what's next for Zuko? What does he want? This episode is so much about asking that question and like i i don't know the answer we know that in this moment he was willing to sacrifice the avatar's connection to his destiny mm-hmm. um but i don't know that that's a change that's happened all the way i, I can hear jasmine griffin's um 
advice in my in my head of like, well, okay, just because there are these moments doesn't mean that like the change is fully there, right? So yep. like I don't know. And 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 I I want to circle back to him and be like, what do you want? And he might not know what he wants. Yeah. But maybe he's starting, maybe he's starting to think I at least know what I don't want. Yeah. Or what I don't what I don't hold so dearly anymore. Yeah. Um that felt like that was a real thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the action of like tossing a mask into the lake is final in some ways. Mm-hmm. At least it feels like releasing a burden that's been on him for a long time that he's literally carried. But we also know that this is not the first blue spirit mask. Wait, remember why? the one gets broken and he has to buy another one. Oh yeah. So it's like we've seen him lose this identity and come back to it oh so, you're right yeah so i love the symbolism but you know man he will find that blue spirit mask huh he's gonna go shop for that who knows right we know he knows somebody who he knows a guy who knows how to find things in a shop <laughs> right <laughs> um another question what does iro name the tea shop oh man yeah that's a good question i'm not gonna say anything about it all right uh <laughs> is it good so sub questions is it good to draw attention to yourself so we talked about this like i just my fear is people someone's gonna figure out who he is mm-hmm. i'm so concerned about him that it's like lay low this is what you're so you're not supposed to be here to make your fortune or to become a famous tea maker or to live out your dreams you're here because this is a place where you can hide yeah and he's starting to not hide yeah and that makes me worried um next question is jet dead Mm. What happens to Smellerby and Longshot if he is? It's really ambiguous at the end, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, yeah. Yes. It would be weird if they, if like this was the absolute end of him because it ends on an ambiguous thing. So if he in fact is dead, we would then need to learn conclusively that he was dead later. Like I could imagine Smellerby or Longshot coming back later. My inclination is he's it's not good, but he's not dead. And and that that we will get to see him again, but I don't know. Right, right. And we leave them with Jet on the ground, not in a good position. We have Smellerby and Longshot's arrows, right? <laughs> yeah. Like a whole bunch of Dai Li. So we don't even know if they could get captured by the Dai Li. They could be brainwashed. Like yeah. there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, my, my gut says we haven't seen the last of them, although... It could be that this is the jet arc, and, mm-hmm. and and it was kind of great. If this is the end of him, like again, well done story wise to introduce this character in season one, bring him back in season two, late in season two, have yeah. this really significant arc, and maybe maybe that's the role he was there to play. And like, if so, beautiful redemption at yeah. the end. Yeah, I, I mean, the Daily was so wrong, but also so right. Like, he chose his own demise. He wasn't foolish, but he yep. got to cho- choose that. I'm perfectly okay if this is the end of him. Although, like, I- I'm sad. Because mm-hmm. I really... I actually, he came to be somebody that I really found compelling and I interesting. I know. The writers make you care for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another question. Do they leave Bossing Say? Mm. Or do they still need the Earth King and the Earth Kingdom? I, I Like, I don't know at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know... Because if they know about the eclipse, we know how to potentially trigger Avatar State Aang. Like, do we do we need this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I don't know where they're headed. 
Because they fly off. And, like, are they flying off to stay in Ba Sing Se? Are they flying off? They could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the message from the guru? Oh, yeah. Because that was tied to Appa's horn before he was captured. So the Dai Li has this message, presumably. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot about the guru. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like. That was one of the things when we saw Appa there, I was like, I looked at his horns right away and thought, well, it's not there. Yeah. So that, and that message didn't just disappear. Like it's somewhere. Somebody has that. We don't know what the message is, but we know who it's for. Mm. Uh, what is the Earth King? Uh, mm. Who who or what is the Earth King? Like, like this seems to point to that he's something, someone the Dai Li could lose control of. Mm-hmm. Uh are they going to topple the Dai Li? Is the Dai Li top? It doesn't seem like the Dai Li's topple. It seemed like they got away from them. But like, is that part of their mission is to, do they need to get rid of the Dai Li? Do they need to redirect the Dai Like, who knows? I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what's, what's sort of go where we go from there. Right. The Dai Li and Long Fang too. Like we see him skip across the lake. That's kind of right. where he ends. <laughs> right, right. And then my last thought is, and this connects with the previous episode, which is when we think about Appa's Lost Days as an episode, we saw that it stretched backwards mm. to stuff we'd seen before, but through a different set of lenses, right? We also know that Appa goes beyond bossing, say. Now, I'm certain the guru's coming back, mm-hmm. but I wonder about other things we saw in that episode, how much they're going to circle back. So I think about things like, I mean, did this show us the future of where we're headed? So the guru, obviously, but Suki, the yeah. water tribe, where that tunnel is, what are the what are the warriors of Kiyoshi doing? Oh like, my gosh! How much did that show us the future? Yes, I forgot about the water tribe and yeah. their dad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I don't know. Like, like, like it, it, it feels like this is the conclusion of an. I mean, they, they did a great job. It's setting the table for where they're going. It's the conclusion of the Appa arc, mm-hmm. right? And they fly off, but it's like we have three episodes, and they have set us up in such a way where I don't know. We should know where this is headed. Like yep. in season one, we knew everything's propelling to the North Pole. They got us this far, and it's great. And they're basically like, try to guess where we're headed. Right? I, I don't know. It's like usually we can anticipate if there's going to be some big final battle, but we don't know because this actually felt like, in some ways, like the end of season one, where we have. Zuko and Iroh coming to a new kind of understanding, mm-hmm. you know, as they're floating away on the driftwood. Um, we have this sort of conclusion to this long arc, but they did it three episodes before the end. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot coming. Yes. Uh, I love this episode. I love this episode for what it for what it does. I love the stuff we learned about characters. I love the way we learn more about the Dai Li got into that. Uh, do you have any last thoughts? Man, no, I'm just so excited to see the rest of this season. You know what I'm excited for? I'm excited for even the title of this next episode. Yeah? Yeah, because it, as much as I just said, oh, where does this go? Where does this go? The title tells us something about where it's headed. Right. Although I don't know what exactly that is. So uh, that is all the time that we have for this episode. But we will be back next week to talk about book to earth chapter 18 the earth king 